In this week's episode, we have brought in the rest of the gang, Pablo and Uniqua. As you know, in this week's topic, we are covering the well-known American serial killer, the Zodiac, as part two of our Zodiac series. Stay tuned to learn more about how Tyrone Sully has become Pablo and Uniqua, and learn more about how the last two confirmed cases, or at least for some, came to be. Topics covered in our podcast from week to week may cover topics of murder, sexual assault, childhood trauma, addiction, and many other topics that may be triggering to some listeners. If any of these topics are triggering for you, we recommend listening with caution and maybe heading out after the weekly catch up. If you are a new listener or a regular to our podcast, we thank you for your support and we hope that you enjoy today's episode. In last week's episode, we covered Betty Lou, David, Darlene, and Michael, and their experiences that they had when they crossed paths with the infamous American serial killer known as the Zodiac. We dove into each case that the three out of the four times ended with the death of the victim, the extremely popular cryptograms that contributed to the Zodiac's name, and we also discussed exactly why I refer to the killer at most times as Tyrone, and we gave our thoughts to what could have really happened on those fateful nights. Make sure if you haven't yet, head back to part one and listen to exactly why I refer to him as Tyrone and to learn more about our victims as well as this case in general so that you can properly understand today's episode. Welcome back. back. Hello everyone and welcome back. Good morning. We're here. We're thriving. We're doing the podcast. We're doing the darn thing. Honestly, as we should, this has been, I've been waiting all day for this. So literally... We have been waiting all day for this, actually, and for a good chunk of time, we've been waiting to actually be able to do so. So we're here. We're doing it. This is the podcast. We're in part two, as we should. Exciting stuff. Of course. Um, Hope everyone's week is going off wonderfully. Um, I say that as if you're hearing this on a Wednesday, but I hope that it's gone wonderful because <laughs> it's not current. It's over. It's Friday. Get hype. I hope you have a great weekend planned, ready to go. I mean, I have the whole weekend off, so like I'm ready to do the dang thing. Oh, can't relate. Um, a sweetie has to work on Saturday and I'm not excited because this week has gone horrible for me. Um, so keep me in your thoughts and prayers. Really struggle busting it up this week thus far. So let's hope and pray that Saturday goes well, you know? I mean, you are going to get Raising Cane's this week, or you did get Raising Cane's this week, so your week couldn't have been all that bad. As of this recording, I'm going to have Raising Cane's tomorrow, and I could not be more excited. I'm a tad nervous, though, because a sweetie ordered those, like, viral TikTok crumble cookies, and they're supposed to be here tomorrow because they were freshly baked yesterday, and then they were shipped out, and they're going to be here today. And I'm like, ooh, a sweetie's going to have Raising Cane's and crumble cookies? Like, oof. I'm just not ready for the stomachache that is going to um, be caused by that. You know what I mean? So wait, like hold the phone. So not only am I going to get Raising Cane's tomorrow, but when I come back to your house, I'm going to get Crumble Cookie? Allegedly, yes. It's FedEx who shipped them, so they're oh supposed God, to be I tomorrow. I won't get them until next week then. 
um, well, then Crumble Cookie's going to send me some new cookies if that's the case, because uh-uh, no, 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 I ordered Crumble Cookies, not Rock Cookies. So I said what I said, and I'll say it again, you know, you know. And it's not even like that they were expensive. It's just like, I mean, I guess as far as cookies go, for like a dozen, it was like 40 bucks. So, I mean, that's kind of expensive. $40? Yeah, well, me and my sister split them. So, like, it really wasn't that bad, I guess. But, like, you saw the TikToks. They look immaculate. Um, and there's also one in Indy. So, when we go to Indy, we're ordering crumble cookies. Because we can actually get the weekly ones when we go. So, like, if they have the Oreo ones or if they have all the other different flavored ones. I'm like, ooh. A sweetie's gonna Postmate that to the house. And we're gonna be thriving, you know? So, I don't know about you guys, but we stan Olivia Rodrigo in this house. Um, and her song Good For You came out last week. Haley, what are your thoughts? My thoughts are that when I am home alone by myself, I turn my Google Home up all the way and I jam out like I have just had gone through a breakup and don't know any better. So... I mean, if you're being specific, honestly, this song was kind of made for you at this point in your life. So I understand that. I jam to it as if I have been in a relationship within the past six months, which I haven't because I'm dying alone. I adore it. It's honestly, it's probably my favorite song yet. It's giving me Paramore vibes. It's giving me Lord. It's giving me Billie Eilish, who is our queen. It's giving me every Taylor era known to mankind. Like, it's so good. So good. And no one can convince me otherwise, because it's been on repeat ever since it came out. Listen, I just found this new playlist on TikTok where this girl just made like a whole bunch of songs like put a whole bunch of songs on that playlist that has the same vibe as good for you. And honestly, it's everything. Honestly, as that person should, because that's the type of person that I strive to be in life is an Olivia Rodrigo stand to the point where like I make a playlist that's a vibe depending on like the song, you know, as they should. I'm impressed with them. I need that playlist. I didn't see that playlist. I honestly kind of have that playlist. My Welcome to the Depressed Teen Parade playlist on Spotify. Like, honestly, kind of that vibe. I mean, this playlist is called She's Angsty Again, so... Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I listen to that playlist, uh, or the playlist that's similar, probably, at the gym. Because, you know, we all love us a good Welcome to the Black Parade moment. You know, I act like that was my era, but honestly, like, for some of those songs on that playlist, I don't even think I was born yet. Come through Gen Z. <laughs> I can't help it that my oldest sister is a millennial. I'm sorry. And I didn't go through an emo phase. I'm so sorry. Can't relate on that one, but, you know, to each their own. We love a good shaved side head moment. We really do. If you know, you know. Only a select few people know what I'm referring to, and I'm not going to go into specifics. But if you know, you really know. And, and as guys, you should. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. We are done starting today. Stop it. Don't. That's outrageous. Could not be us. Absolutely not. In other news, that album comes out on Friday and Lord knows that it's going to be a bop. Some people are coming out of the woodwork, aka 
stands of other artists who shall not be named because I don't want to be attacked. And coming from Miss Olivia Rodrigo's neck, have you seen that? Oh, honey, you're on the wrong side of TikTok. I also am on the side of TikTok right now where they're all attacking Ben Platt for not being 16 years old. How dare they? How dare they attack my king, Ben Platt, like that? Oh, I agree 1000%. I'm sorry, but... I could be canceled for this, but honestly, as I should. One, Olivia Rodrigo's music is different than any other artist who is putting out music currently in the industry. You can compare each one of her songs to other songs that she may have sampled parts from, may have done this out of the other with, or just gotten inspiration from. But as far as her vibe and her music and her sound and her voice, there isn't anyone else doing anything like Olivia right now. Like, there just isn't. Like, you could say, oh, she's getting her inspo from Taylor. She's getting her inspo from, I don't give a jack crap from who. What she's doing right now is Olivia. Like, there hasn't been anyone who's done anything like this exactly. And it currently is 2021. And there is millions of, literally millions of songs that have come out since before we were born, when we were five, when we were four. Look at the castaways, the backyardigans. We stay in the backyardigans. We just found out this week that song everybody knew was from the backyard again. You know what I mean? Like you can compare everything to one another to the point where you're going to find a similarity. It's not going to be hard. Like, you know what I mean? But like at the end of the day, like just let an artist be an artist. Don't nitpick them to the point where you're like, oh, that song. It sounds like that song from Paramore. You know what I mean? Misery Business, we love her. We love Haley. We love the lead singer. I mean, we also love Haley, our co-host. But we love the lead singer of Paramore. But like, okay, that song has a Paramore vibe to it, but it's a completely different song. Go listen to it. You must have forgotten what it sounds like because the TikToks of people going, this sounds really familiar. Mm, Haley could sue her. No, she can't. Haley can't sue her. No, that's not how the music industry works. You need to do your homework. Furthermore, Ben Platt is my king. Don't come for him. Haley, you need to talk about Ben Platt for a minute because I will go on a tangent if you don't. Listen, here's what I'm going to say about Ben Platt. Did I know Ben Platt before I met Jonathan? No. Do I know no. Ben Platt now? Yes. Yes, Do I as love every song off of Dear Evan Hansen? For sure. Am I excited for this movie to come out? 1000%. Don't even, you're going to catch me crying in the theaters, like actually sobbing when For Forever is being played on the big screen. And that's all I've got to say. Also, no, Mm. I'm not done. Shut up. As you should continue on. His performance in The Politician, 10 out of 10, should have won an Oscar. I honestly don't disagree um technically it'd be an emmy because it's a tv show okay whatever anyways you knew what i meant and i did know what you meant last thing actually two more things he was robbed in the first move in the first pitch perfect movie robbed (laughs) i say not benji (sighs) robbed that was the most saddest scene you can ever have in a movie is ben platt in his bedroom singing you gotta keep your head up oh as he's pulling out the flags out of his hand (sighs) last thing not the flags last thing i have nothing but great things to say about ben platt because honestly ben platt 
has a lot to do with our friendship, so I can't say anything bad about Ben Platt. And that's it. That's all I've got. Furthermore, so you all know Dear Evan Hansen. You all know Ben Platt, Ben Platt, Book of Mormon, Pitch Perfect, so many other things. The Politician. Like, there's so many things that he has divulged himself into and done phenomenal at. I mean, Dear Evan Hansen would not be Dear Evan Hansen if it wasn't for Ben Platt. You can't convince me otherwise. He won a Tony for it. That show, I think, won three or four Tonys that year. Like, he really did that. Um, A lot of people are like, well, Pitch Perfect was, I don't know, I think they said like six or ten years ago. I can't freaking remember how long it's been. I don't give a fart when Pitch Perfect was. And he he was too old to be a college student in that. So and was Skylar Austin, and you cannot convince me otherwise. So was Anna freaking Kendrick, okay? She looked too old when she was in Twilight. I'm Anna sorry. Anna Camp looked like she was 30 years old in that movie, not 22. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm sorry, but since when does age matter in a movie? Like, to be fair, um, the first thing I said when I saw that trailer today was, wow, they made him look young. Does he look like he's 16? Absolutely not. He doesn't look like he's 16. I will give you that. He doesn't. But can he sing? Can he, like, give you that emotion? I'm sorry, but none of the people in 13 Reasons Why looked like high schoolers since season one. Not one. Not a mm-hmm. one. Dylan Minnett did. Okay, for season one for half the season. Do not attack my other king like that, sir. Okay, but then Sweetie became ripped all of a sudden in the last season. I'm confused. Fine with me. Fine by me. It wasn't giving me senior year vibes. Most of... Okay. Dylan Mennett as an exception, as he should, because he was a lead and honestly, he carried that show on his back for way too long. Everyone else looked like adults. Like, they didn't give me senior vibes. Like, what? When they first started, weren't they sophomores? Because they ended as seniors and there was three seasons. Yeah. None of them looked like sophomores. Not a one. And you have to give me that. We've seen the sophomores in this day and age. No. No, no. Um, I just don't see how someone who, like, is so... I don't know how to explain it. Like, he has been doing this for forever. He built what Dear Evan Hansen Curly is, and he earned that. You can't compare it to nepotism. Okay, his dad is an executive producer. Pro- did that play a role in it? Probably. It's the business. I'm you sorry, can't just but like, say it. Yeah, I'll let you go on because I'll just keep going. Okay, so like, yeah, maybe they could have cast somebody different as Dear Evan Hansen because I surely know that Amy Adams was not in the Broadway production. But like, out of all the others that other people who have played Evan Hansen. He was the best choice. Like, I love me a good Jordan Fisher, but no. If he would have been casted as Evan Hansen, I would not have gone. Or I will not go to see this movie, so. I straight up, like, on a TikTok the other day, like, I say the other day, but literally, like, an hour ago, like, someone was like, I just didn't even, like, finish the trailer. Like, it just wasn't it for me. And I'm just like, I'm... And then they said, like, that... I think his name is Brandon... I think he was the second Dear Evan Hansen. I think he replaced um, Ben Platt once Ben Platt was finally done um, on Broadway in New York City. Um, He looks a lot younger. I think that when he started, he was probably like 16 or between 16 and 19 years old. Um, They were like, he should have played him. And I'm just like, okay, 
I can see why you think that he should have played him. But the Broadway, the original Broadway cast recording that is throughout the movie, was he in that or was it Ben? The Broadway cast recording that won many awards and topped the charts for quite some time along with Hamilton, was he in that or was it Ben? I'm confused. Like, I'm I'm just asking. You know what I mean? Who made you fall in love with Dear Evan Hansen? Because I know most of you people have not gone and seen the musical. Was it Ben or was it Brandon? Because unless you watched Brandon on a potato filming of it illegally, then you don't know what he sounds like. Then you don't know which one you like better. I don't know. I was supposed to see Dear Evan Hansen last year, but it got canceled because of the Ronas as well as our Billie Eilish tickets, which I'm still triggered about. And Rascal Flats. But like still, like you can't, you just can't. You can't do that. No, not to Ben. He deserved that. Shut your mouth. Thank you. Don't come for Ben. Mm -mm. No, no, not today. Okay, well, we're going to move on from Ben Platt and all of that because we are not a movie trailer review podcast. Uh, Yeah, well, you ticked off this ex-theater kid. So, like, come for me. Honestly, like, just come for me. Like, if you disagree with me, I'd love to hear your opinions on our Twitter page or Instagram page, I guess. I mean, like, don't come for me too hard. Anyways. Um, so the Zodiac, Haley, or as I like to refer to as Tyrone. Actually, before we get into the Zodiac, I just have a special thing that I want to say real quick. And what could that be? Because, you know, Tyrone is just like super interesting and like. I understand that Tyrone is super interesting, but there is somebody who is more super interesting than Tyrone. And honestly, that is our biggest fan, Miss April. Oh, April. She actually is our biggest fan. And I literally love her the literal most for that. Like, you haven't even been here to experience how much of a big fan she is. I know. And that makes me a horrible person. Honestly, I will never emotionally recover from that. I cannot believe how hype she gets on our social media like it actually warms my heart to my core so um just wanted to give a quick shout out to april whether you're listening to this on your friday drive to school or on your monday drive to school because i know sometimes you mix it up you like to mix it up like that as she should we just wanted to let you know that we We love love you you the literal most so much we appreciate all your support and, you know, just keep doing you, April. Just live your life. Do you. Live your best life. And we also love your daughter. She's one of our best friends. So. Also true. <laughs> we talked to Paige. Was it last week's podcast or the week before? I think we've talked about her in like the last three. Honestly, as we should. But April, thank you for being so supportive. Love you the most. So now, now that we've touched all of our bases, we've hit them all, all of them. So Tyrone, Tyrone, what things did he get into in part two of this series? Boy, oh boy, did he get into some great things. Oh, I'm sure it's super great for the people involved. I'm sure it's super great. Okay. So we talked about his last two murders on the last podcast. Sweetie waited almost a year between the two killings because the first one was December 20th and then the second one was July 4th. So, I mean, he waited a relatively 
quite a while. His next murder would be on September 27th, 1969. That was a good year. A great one. His victims would be Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard. Brian grew up in Oregon and was a student at Pacific Union College in the Napa Valley. We love the Napa Valley. (laughs) And on September 27th, Brian and his friend Cecilia were picnicking at Lake Berenessa, which was an hour and 14 minutes away from the last murder, which took place in Blue Rock Springs Park. So he went relatively far, but not far enough. He just took an hour moment and he yeeted himself on over there. So Tyrone showed up in a whole costume this time. Oh, dear Lord. Tyrone, I'm sorry, but this is not Halloween. And this is not a costume party. Take the Party City USA crap somewhere else. Thank you, next. Tyrone was wearing a black executioner's type hood with clip-in sunglasses over the eye holes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Clip-in sunglasses? Are you kidding me? I'm not done. Oh my gosh. And a bib-like device on his chest that had a white 3 by 3 inch cross circle symbol on it. Honey is screaming, you're sending a pestis bubonic plague, like, gonna, like, come get ya vibes. Like, ew. He approached the pair with a gun and explained to them that he needed their money and their car to go to Mexico. So Tyrone wanted to go on a little trip. So Tyrone was just casting away to Mexico. Um, I just don't. I'll save my thoughts until after you're done explaining this. Thank you. You're welcome. Tyrone. Tyrone can wait a minute. Oh, my God. Tyrone came prepared to commit this murder. He brought pre-cut plastic clothesline and told Cecilia to tie up Brian before Tyrone would tie up Cecilia. He checked Brian's bond after physically seeing that Cecilia bonded the clothesline too loose because she wanted Brian to be able to get away when whatever was going to happen was going to happen. Brian honestly thought this was kind of weird and he thought it was just like a bizarre robbery. Like he's like, all right, they're just going to rob me until Tyrone drew out a knife and stabbed both of them. So he was like, Miss Psycho. We love a good scream, like slasher moment. Um, so continue on. I was gonna say, can I finish my story before you ask questions? Yes. Sorry. Brian ended up suffering from six stab wounds and Cecilia had ten. So again, with your theory that it's something with the girls, because the girls always get more than the guys. See. Are you done with your story? Nope. Oh gosh. I know I'm just ke- I'm I'm seriously going to keep you in suspense on this one. The disrespect. So Tyrone not only committed um murder, he committed vandalism. He um drew his cross circle symbol on Brian's co- car door with a black felt tip pen and wrote Vallejo 122068 7469 September 27th, 69, 6.30, by knife, under the car. Under the car? Under the car. So he crawled his happy butt under there, 
like Mr. Tyrone, Moose Antlers, and all, crawled under that car with that costume on and wrote with a black felt-tip marker under there? Yes. That is the most outrageous thing I've ever heard in my entire life. I honestly wish someone could get me a video of that where like he's just crawling his happy butt in his little getup under that car and he's like, Vallejo, something 68. Like, <laughs> I, I have horrible memory, I guess. But like, are you kidding me? Like, why would he take the time to do that? And why would like people like think like, let's check under the car. Because like, my chubby butt is not squeezing under our car to be able to write that. At 7.30 p.m., the Zodiac called the Napa County Sheriff Sheriff's Office from a payphone to report his latest crime. When he called, he said, I wish to report a murder. No, um, a double murder. Before stating that he was the one who committed the crime. The phone was only found a few blocks away from the sheriff's office and 27 miles from the crime scene. Detectives, however, were able to lift a still wet palm print from the phone, but were never able to match it to any suspects. Maybe because, I don't know, that's weird. When the police arrived at the crime scene, Cecilia was conscious and able to provide a description of Tyrone. She said he was a white man, about 5'11", weighing about more than 170 pounds. Cecilia and Brian were both taken to Queen of the Valley Hospital. Cecilia slipped into a coma during the transport and never regained consciousness. She unfortunately passed away two days later. Well, that's horrible. Brian, however, was able to survive and recount his horrific tale to the press. That's the end of my story, if you can remember your questions. Okay. First question. Shoot. Why all of a sudden is Mr. Zodiac on a mission to head to Mexico? Because he said that he had a he had just escaped jail and he wanted to get away and he needed a car and money to get to Mexico. Okay. He may have escaped jail in a like literal sense in a way, but like he really was kind of like scot free because they have and had no idea who did this. So why was he so gung-ho to run? That's not very serial killer-like. And that makes me think that this whole thing was really personal. And again, like you said, with the 10 stop rooms to her and then only six to him... Why the overkill with both of them in general and then specifically with the women in these scenarios? And why was it so escalated on the first one, but now it seems to be kind of de-escalating the more we go along? Well, it's also, almost like out of desperation in a way. You know what I mean? Also, here's my thing. He switched up his MO because he used a gun at the two previous murders, but this time he stabbed them. But he had a gun with them, so why did he not shoot them? And he was wearing a costume. <laughs> why did he take a pit stop 
at Party City USA? And why did he randomly decide that he was going to vandalize the car? It just doesn't really make sense to me in general. But like, if we're going to say that they're connected because they've connected them, then it still really makes me wonder why all of these seem so personal. Um, And furthermore, why he all of a sudden decided to hop the border and head to Mexico and why he mentioned he had just escaped jail because in the cryptograms in the last episode and in every single communication that he had with them or every single like moment that we directly heard from him, he didn't sound worried at all. So why would he mention that to his victims? He was more triggered over the African-American man who spotted him. He probably would have mentioned something like that. Like, you better not mention me to the cops, proceeds to kill them. Not, I just escaped jail. It just doesn't make sense to me, personally. It's a little spotty. Um, It's the clip-on sunglasses, the taking his Tyrone moose antlers under that car and felt tipping the bottom of the car. Like, I just don't buy it. Personally, another instance where I'm like, where's the card hole, like the hard evidence of like, okay, this is our guy. And also furthermore, it doesn't really make sense to me that he would leave a fingerprint or a handprint uh, at the telephone booth Um, because he sent direct letters and direct things to the police and not once was there any form of fingerprint on that or anywhere else at any point in their investigations. So why would he be careless enough to leave a handprint at the telephone booth? These are all great questions. That no one has answers to. I know. Exactly. Because it is unsolved and it will probably remain unsolved because if this is our guy, he's probably in Mexico by now, if that was his goal. So, well, we're going to move on America's most wanted. (laughs) We're going to move past this murder and go to the next one. Okay. As we should. Tyrone's not skipping a beat. On October 11th, 1969. Tyrone had been had requested to be driven to Washington and Maple Street in Presidio Heights by a man named Paul Stein. And he's a cab driver, not like, just like a friend, you know? Uh Uh-huh. For some unknown reason, Paul instead drove one block past Maple Street to Cherry Street. And then, I don't know if this made Tyrone mad, but Tyrone ended up um, shooting Paul in the head and taking his wallet and his car keys and also tore a section of his blood-stained shirt. So, I don't... Um... I mean, that's the end of the murder, but, like, that's not the end of my story. Okay. Um... Continue on. Okay. Thankfully, however, there were three teenagers who were across the street that witnessed the crime take place and were able to call the police as soon as it was happening um i don't know what took i don't know if the police were taking their sweet old time i was i'm assuming that they were 
but they were able to watch this happen, watch the Zodiac wipe down the cab, and then leave. What? Like, the police were there? No, the police weren't there. They literally watched all this happen, and the police still were not there. Oh, the teenagers. Yeah, the teenagers watched all this happen and, the, and were calling the police, and the police were still not there. Okay, their response time was but fairly slow that no, day. No, 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 no. Yeah, 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 yeah. But get this. Do you want to take a guess at how far away the nearest patrolmen were from the crime scene? If you tell me it's a block, I'm going to get triggered. It was two, actually. Still just as bad. But there is a reason as to why they didn't get there. Mm, let's hear it. Okay. So two blocks away from where all this happened, there were two patrol officers, Don Folk and Eric Zelms. They were responding to the call when they saw a white man walking along the sidewalk. Folk estimated the male was 35 to 45 years old, 5'10", with a crew cut, similar but slightly older than the description that the teenagers gave. Now, the teenagers said that Tyrone was 25 to 35, white with a crew cut, 5'8 to 5'9". But the patrol officers didn't stop the man because for some reason, the dispatcher thought the teenager said that the person who committed the crime was African-American. So they literally walked, they literally drove right past the Zodiac. So it's the dispatcher's fault. On October 14, 1969, the Chronicle received another letter from the Zodiac, this time containing a piece of Paul's shirt as proof he was the killer. The letter also included a threat about killing school children on a bus. And um, as much as it pains me to say what he wrote, I feel it is my duty to tell you what he wrote. The Zodiac said that he was going to just shoot out the front tire and then pick off the kitties as they come bouncing out. This isn't whack-a-mole. Um, absolutely not. Um, why? Okay. Is that the full letter in its entirety? That's the letter about, um, Paul. Yes. Okay. I personally, personally, just because someone sends a letter to the police doesn't mean that it's a Zodiac. I mean, true. And just because he had a piece of Paul's shirt does not mean that the Zodiac committed this crime. Yeah. Um, why? Also, the Zodiac hasn't sent a souvenir or there hasn't been any recollection of the Zodiac keeping something. So why would he start now? Also, I forgot to mention that this is the last like confirmed Zodiac killing that the police have or think okay. they have or think they have. Um, honestly, I'm just going to be honest um, because I do. I'm kind of more the opinion person on this podcast. I kind of like the more commentary moment. I'm just going to take it there. I don't think that any of the one past the first two, maybe even the second one, is a Zodiac. I don't. I really don't. I think that's really just stringing things together that aren't together because it doesn't make sense to me. Like, how does someone go from something that's so personal to de-escalating to the point where like, 
okay, I'm going to kill this guy in a cab. I'm going to stab these people. I'm going to crawl under their car, put on a costume and write something in a felt tip marker. I'm going to send a letter with a piece of shirt. Like that doesn't, I know I wouldn't expect it to make sense because obviously someone who commits this crime is a certain type of person, but like also for someone to be able to commit the original crime, like the first crime in such a way that they were able to get away with it so cleanly and not leave a, like I, like they didn't know who it was and they still don't know who it was. You know what I mean? To have that amount of intelligence, you have to, I just don't, mm, I don't know. I just don't think that person would like deescalate to the point where they're like, okay, like let's go over here to this town a little hour later, a little hour outside of town. Um, go to this lake. Um, oh, there's two people over there. I have a gun, but let me use my knife. Yeah. Um, and then let me put on my costume with my clip-on sunglasses. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. None of, does it make sense to you? Is it just me or like am is like it's weird? Like, you know I what I mean, mean? I guess I never really thought about it because I just grew up with everything that I've watched and everything that I read connecting all of these together. So it's just what I've grown up with. So it like makes sense to me. Yeah. Coming from someone who like I literally was a blank canvas when it came to like the Zodiac and the topic of it. Um, I would need way more information and way more like hard evidence to be able to say, okay, yeah, that's our guy. Why did he go from cryptograms to just regular letters? Why did he become obvious instead of so vague instead of like sending a cryptogram, which I still to this moment don't really think was solved correctly. No offense to those researchers and those professionals, but like, why would someone in that scenario, what was there an extra 46 or 44 letters that they still didn't have? And why would he misspell a word? You know what I mean? Like, we don't know the answer, but like, why would he take the time to make a cryptogram and tell them that he, the cryptogram would reveal who he is? You know what I mean? And like, I understand like, yeah, he's probably messing with them to a certain degree, but why would he take the time to put that together just to like make it to where they're never going to, I don't know. Like, it's just weird. Why put the extra letters just to mix them up? Well, he hasn't mixed them up at all yet. He's been pretty blunt with what he wants to do and what he's expecting from them. You know what I mean? I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. I could go on this with a tangent for forever, but like, why the variations? Why? I don't know. There has to be a reason. And that one just didn't feel personal to me. And all of them have felt personal. Like, it just felt random. But yeah, those are my confusions. My, like, what moments? Like, Tyrone. Like, at this point, we've gone from Tyrone to Uniqua, Pablo, like, the whole gang. And, like, that's what I'm feeling. Like, we've gone to, like, different sets of people, different moments, instead of that one moment that we started with. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. Okay. Well, getting to your point about other people possibly being the Zodiac... I'm going to tell you about what happened on October 20th, 1969, okay? Okay. 
So on October 20th, someone claiming to be the Zodiac called the Oakland Police Department, demanding that one of the two prominent lawyers, either F. Lee Bailey or Melvin Bell, appear on AM San Francisco. Bell decided to make an appearance on the show, and while he was on the show, the host liked to try to appeal to the viewers to make sure that the phone line stayed open so that way the Zodiac would call. Zodiac apparently called several times. Bell asked for him to give a less ominous name. And instead of picking Tyrone, the caller picked Sam. Sam? Bell then arranged to meet Sam outside a shop on Mission <laughs> Street. In <laughs> Sam. <laughs> Then arranged to meet Sam outside a shop on Mission Street in Daly City, but no one showed up. Anyways, on November 8th, 1969, on November 8th, 1969, the Zodiac mailed a mailed. Oh my God, shut up. <laughs> mailed another letter with a cryptogram, which remained unsolved until December 5th, 2020. So, in this letter, this is what the Zodiac wrote. And I'm reading this the way he wrote it out, okay? And the way it was solved, okay? Okay. Okay. The letter read, I hope you're having lots of fun trying to catch me. That wasn't me on the TV show, which brings up a point about me. I am not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me into paradise, spelled incorrectly, again. So they are afraid because I know that my new life is life will be an easy one in paradise death. Thoughts. Okay, so they said that this person wasn't the Zodiac? Yeah, the Zodiac said that was not him that called and pretended to be Sam on the TV show. Okay. See, and this is what makes me think even more that like, those other cases have nothing to do with the actual Zodiac. Because, like, that right there, that screams, good morning, I'm here. You know what I mean? For anyone. You know what I mean? Like if the you two compare cases the two, that we just talked about today? Yeah. Like, okay. those just don't scream that for me. You know what I mean? I didn't get that vibe. Like, he's almost petty in a way. And he's very, he's he has very a very narcissistic. narcissistic tone. Yes. Very narcissistic tone. You know what I mean? He's very self-centered. He's like, yeah, I hope you're having fun catching me. Like, why would he say that after he was so like, oh my gosh, I just skipped jail. Like, you know what I mean? Like, why would he say that to them when they obviously explicitly know that supposedly he's like worried and he's hopping the border? You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. How can they go from like confirming someone who's obviously on the run to someone who's like so blatantly could care less? You know what I mean? So Tyrone is back in this scenario. The other two, that was Uniqua and Pablo. Well, I don't know if this is Tyrone who sent the letter the next day. Probably not. 
So on November 9th, 1969, the Zodiac mailed a seven-page letter. I don't really know what all was in that letter. Basically, the gist of it was that he said that two policemen stopped and actually spoke with him minutes after he shot Paul. I don't buy that either. And not because I'm like wanting to prove my point. Um, but because all of the messages that have sounded like him have been very short and concise and narcissistic. And not a seven why page like paper. Would he take the time to write a seven page paper when he's and why would you less? why would you mail a letter on November eighth? And then mail another one on November 9th. Like, sweetie, say what you got to say. That just sounds like someone who committed the murder and it was linked to the Zodiac, which is something that's very, was very publicized and still to this day is very publicized, aka our podcast that we're covering right now. Um, Like the topic we're covering. Um, But like, and he just wanted to like stay relevant. You know what I mean? That sounds to me like someone wasn't the talk of attention anymore um that the spotlight had gone to sam now and he was wanting to stay relevant and the zodiac who i think the zodiac is which is the first two murders i mean the first murder and then the last one that just occurred not the last murder but like the last moment with him it wasn't a oh my gosh i have to be like famous vibe you know what i mean that's a different type of serial killer and that's not the one that i think the zodiac is you know what I mean? Okay. I hope that made sense how I explained that. <laughs> well, as far as the Zodiac Killer goes today, that's all I've got. But definitely stay tuned for part three where I go into possible murders that he's been linked to but haven't been confirmed. And there's quite a few, so... Well, I think they need to revisit the confirmed ones because honestly, I still think that it's Mr. OG Tyrone up in here because it was personal, the house, so personal, and it's so different. It's such a different vibe from like, and I'm not, I sound like such a Gen Z person, I'm like it's such a different vibe, but like, I don't mean to sound like that, but like, it's I mean, like, what to you, Haley? I know that you know, like, the Zodiac. Like, you know that thing. You're such a true crime person. You've taken psychology, more psychology classes than I have. You've taken um, criminal justice classes. Like, you've done that thing. Like, to you, do you kind of understand where I'm coming from? And if you hadn't heard of the Zodiac, would you probably be more along the lines of, like, okay, yeah, that doesn't make sense? No, I definitely understand where you're coming from because here is my standpoint on it. The first two, yes, were very personal. The thing that he did at Lake Berenessa, to me, and like even with Paul, like taking the shirt and being like, here's like this proof. I don't know. The car thing just kind of me, like to me, like didn't add up. Why put the cross circle symbol on the car to label that that's what you did because you didn't do that with the first two? Why put the murders on there and specifically how you did that the last one? Like to me, that almost was kind of like, I don't want to say a cry for help, but kind of like, like the letters that are being sent in are almost like, you need to stop me. Like if you don't figure out who I am, I'm going to kill the kids coming off the bus. That is not what a narcissist does. And we know that the mm -mm. Zodiac is a narcissist. Therefore, I understand where you're coming from. And like, I'm even thinking about like part three and like one of the cases that I'm going to cover 
that I truly and personally believe could have been done by the Zodiac just because of how narcissistic it was. So mm-hmm. I don't know, like I see where you're coming from, like definitely the one with like and like even in the later podcasts, like I'll talk about like he does be like, you need to stop me like you have to. St-. No, if you're a narcissist, why do you need to be stopped? Yeah, Um. honestly, to me, the first like the first one that you covered at the Barry Nessa place, the lake today, that one. Yeah, today. Um, That one to me sounds more ritualistic. Sounds more like someone who may be like... Because like, um, even like in the later letters, he will like sign his um his stuff with like the cross circle symbol that he deemed to be his. Mm-hmm. So I'm confused by that statement. So like the symbol that was on his costume and that he put under the car, is that what you're saying? You're saying like in the later letters that have been confirmed by the Zodiac... And I say that in quotes. Um, he would sign that. Yeah, he would sign. He would sign like either the zodiac or like a Z, and then end it with like. For some reason, he started doing like SFPD, so like San Francisco Police Department equals the score, which would be zero, and then the cross circle symbol equals however many. Okay. So, like, to Um, me, now that you say that, like, it's kind of like a. It honestly sounds like there's more than one Zodiac because there's one OG Zodiac and then two other people tagged along. Because he even said that he's, like, committed, like, in a letter, he, like, like, admitted to, like, 37 murders. How does one person commit 37 murders from, hold on, let me look at my research because I think it was only, like, a couple years. One second. Yeah, from the 60s. So, from 1968 to 1970 how do you a single person commit 37 murders like don't you have a job two years two years um i mean i feel like someone could probably do it but like i feel like they'd be caught if it was one person like you're gonna sit and you're gonna take the time to murder 37 people and then you're gonna sit and take the time rich then you're gonna sit and take the time to make cryptograms and no, ma'am, no, thank you. Yeah, I honestly, I truly do think that, like, the other people who are claiming to be the Zodiac or, like, are the Zodiac or if there's more than one of them, like, and I know that you originally said in the first part that you didn't think that there was more than one Zodiac, but do you think kind of more now after hearing, like, my point of view, like, that you would probably be, be more leaning towards, like, okay, maybe there is more than one or? Yeah, I think... My personal standpoint on it is I think that there are at least three people because okay. I think there are two killers. And then I think there's somebody who is making either the letters or the cryptograms because they're not easy cryptograms like those take time. I still don't even think they were solved right because I don't think that these sweeties are going to be misspelling the word paradise on purpose like that sounds stupid to me and that makes me sound like they're illiterate which i don't think that is the case because these people are obviously extremely intelligent remember the first letter that i said that he was like trying to get people for his slave collection what kind of weird like that's like very like that was it and i said that i didn't agree that's why i said yeah 
And that's why I said I didn't agree that it was translated correctly. I think that it was translated incorrectly. And that was probably what he was hoping for them to do to lead them off his trail because of the fact that like this, like the original murder, it just felt like personal. It didn't feel like it was a ritual. It didn't feel like it was anything. It honestly, it like, and I don't mean to call out people because like I know people live lives and like family members and stuff like that. But like Heike sounds like it was the guy who had a crush on her and didn't go on the date. You know what I mean? That was the vibe I was feeling didn't it didn't show any record of him anywhere um like it felt personal you know what i mean it felt like the girl who got away and he was upset so he got her and then he also got the guy that took her even though no one took her from him but that was just how he felt okay well um we are back um we just took a little hiatus because my power randomly went out for a second um i don't quite remember what i was talking about um i'm going to assume that it was probably along the lines of jonathan doesn't feel the vibes and jonathan doesn't think that it's the right person um and that it's probably more than one zodiac um because that's usually or like that's been what i've been talking about mostly and that's kind of the, the same thing that i've been reiterating this whole time because i don't buy it we already been new um jonathan said that plenty of times um, so no need to beat um, a dead horse. Um, Haley, is there anything else that you have to add this week? Nope, I don't have anything else to add. Okay, well, make sure that you guys tune in next week where you will hear part three of the Zodiac or Tyrone or Pablo or Uniqua if you are Don't forget about Tasha. Of us and Tasha. You, oh, there's a fourth one? Yeah, it's Tyrone, Maybe. Pablo, Uniqua, and Tasha. I'm talking about the Zodiac because that's who I've dubbed. Oh, oh, sorry. I thought you were... Never mind. <laughs> I'm... I don't want to leave my girl Tasha out. Oh, we do love Tasha. Um, but honestly, my top three are um Tyrone, Pablo, then Uniqua. But um, well, no, it's actually Tyrone and Uniqua, then Pablo. But like, besides the point. Um, and maybe there's a fourth one. You never know. Um, you'll have to tune in next week to figure it out. You know. But anyway, guys, until next week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We hope that you enjoyed. Until next week, check us out on our Instagram and Twitter pages, Do's and Donuts and Murder Podcast. If you want to send us in questions or if you want to answer some of our questions we may have asked during the podcast, connect with us on anchor.fm slash do's dash and dash donuts dash of dash murder, where you can send us in a voice memo that we can include in next week's podcast. If you'd like to give this episode a five-star rating and review, that would be greatly appreciated and extremely helpful. Until next week, bye. bye.